You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, GTF, and welcome to Church Online. I just want to wish you a happy Easter. So glad that you're here with us. Um, in your living rooms, uh, in, in watching online. Uh, I want to just encourage you to let everybody know in the feed where you're watching from and also to share um, this live feed with your friends group, whether that is you start a watch party or you just share the live feed. Just help get the word out because uh, just as Pastor April and Pastor Tori were just talking about, we're just trying to throw Jesus a huge party this Easter in spite of everything that's going around. And so one of the things that I want to encourage you to do as well is to grab some communion elements. If you have something prepared, just go ahead and grab that. At the end of the message, we're going to take communion together as a church family. And if you don't have anything prepared, go rustle through the pantry, grab whatever you can, get some bread, get some some juice, some something of some sort that, uh, that can represent the blood for you guys at home, and make that ready for the end of the, uh, the message today so that we can receive communion together. All right, if you have your Bibles, open those this morning to Luke chapter 24. And we're going to read this morning probably one of my favorite Easter passages in Luke's gospel. And as we do that, um, really the thing that I want to encourage you specifically to do is that you to be, you could be the one that would be uh, throwing Jesus a party this morning. And so uh, as you're looking through that, I want you to, or thinking through that, I want you to think about the concept of parting because, you know, parting isn't bad. Uh, as long as we're parting in a God-honoring way, right? But parting is something that God actually invented. If you look throughout Scripture, you know, you know that there are certain times whenever parties are the, the central point and, and the, the focal point around which Jesus gathers. Last week we were talking about the triumphal entry and we were talking about the crowd that gathered around Jesus and they made a big deal of Jesus, who He was, and they made a commotion in the city. There's, you know, whenever Jesus comes back again, the, there, there's going to be a, a wedding supper that actually marks His return. And so parties are something that are going to be celebrations that happen on a rhythmic basis throughout all of eternity as we celebrate who Jesus is as our bridegroom. And so this morning, as we, as we kind of talk about celebrating the Lord, and, and throwing a Jesus party, I want you to take that upon yourself to fulfill that on your own. Whether that's just with your family or if you're by yourself this Easter, I want you to be the one that throws Jesus a party today. Don't let others be the ones who celebrate Jesus only. I want you to, to enter into that moment where we celebrate and we laud what it is that Jesus has done and who He is in our life. And as we do that, I just think that we're going to gain back the focus uh, from everything that's causing fear and anxiety around the world right now through the pandemic and make sure that Jesus doesn't miss any of the glory that's due His name this Easter morning. And so I just want to encourage you to, to adopt that mindset that we're going to throw, you're going to throw a Jesus party today. And so I want to give you three reasons, and these are th- three really great reasons why you should be throwing Jesus a party in your home today. First reason is because Jesus is eager to reveal Himself to you. 
We're going to read in, in Luke chapter 24 in just a second, but I want to kind of set this up so that whenever we jump in in the middle of this chapter, you know kind of what's going on. But this whole chapter is about the first Easter, Resurrection Sunday, the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And it says on that morning that there were some ladies who had been preparing Jesus' body a couple days prior. They had been preparing Jesus' body for burial, and they were interrupted because it was the Sabbath. And so they left Jesus alone on Saturday... And they were coming back on Sunday morning at first light to bring spices to basically um, prepare Jesus' body for His permanent burial. And as they showed up at the tomb that that Sunday morning, they couldn't find His body. And it says that they they saw these two men, they were angels, and they were gloriously, uh, uh, they had glorious apparel on. They were robed in, in just splendor. And they were asking these women, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. And as the women confirmed that his body wasn't there, they ran at these angels' instruction back to the disciples, and they told the disciples that they couldn't find Jesus' body and that he had risen. Now, all the disciples, it says in Luke's gospel, felt like that this was an idle tale, that this was just a fabrication, that the the ladies were either making something up or they were caught up in emotion, in grief, whatever it was, but they didn't really believe him except for Peter. And we know, according to John's gospel, that John ran to the tomb as well with Peter. And Peter looked in the empty tomb, and all he saw were empty grave clothes. Now, in Luke's gospel, he kind of cuts away from that scene. And later in the day, there's two of Jesus' other disciples who are walking on a road. And this road was going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles away from Jerusalem. And as these two disciples were walking on this road, all of a sudden, Jesus appeared to them. Right in the middle of their everyday experience, Jesus started walking alongside them and joined them in their travels. And it says that something happened to these disciples to where they couldn't actually recognize that it was Jesus who was walking with them that day. And as they conversed with Jesus, who they didn't know was Jesus... They began to ask him what he thought about everything that had been going on in Jerusalem. And and he said, what things have been going on in Jerusalem? And they're like, dude, are you the only one that doesn't know? Everything that's happened to Jesus of Nazareth, who we thought was going to be the one who brought in the kingdom of glory and was the Messiah and sat on the throne of David, how he was killed. And there was actually a report this morning. They're telling Jesus this like he doesn't know. There was actually a report this morning from some of our ladies that went and they couldn't find his body and they came back and told us that he had risen from the dead. Jesus looked at these two disciples as they were walking down this road to Emmaus. And he said, guys, why are you so foolish of heart? Why are you so dull in your perception of what had to happen in order for the Messiah to step into glory? And it says that Jesus, while they were walking down the road, began to start with Moses and through the prophets, and show them in Scripture how He had to suffer. The Messiah had to suffer in order for Him to step into glory. As they get to the place where they were traveling to, these disciples see Jesus was fixing to walk on, and they invited Him in for dinner, still not knowing who He was. My favorite part of this story was they sat down for dinner, and Jesus grabs the bread, and He breaks the bread and gives thanks. And at the breaking of of the bread the disciples' eyes were open and they realized that it was Jesus who had been walking with them the whole time. And it said, as soon as that happened, He disappeared. Now this is where we're going to pick up. Look at verse 33. It says, those disciples got up at that hour and ran seven miles back to Jerusalem. 
And it says, And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. See, here's the thing that I, I, I notice as I read this passage is Jesus is eager to reveal himself to you and to me. Here's something that I never want you to forget. Jesus reveals himself to us right where we are. For these two disciples, it was in their journey and it was in, a, in the process of grieving over what could have been if Jesus hadn't been put to death, right? For others, Jesus revealed Himself to them right in the middle of their adultery. He revealed Himself to them right in the middle of their leprosy. Right in the middle of their criminal activity, Jesus came and He showed Himself as Lord to the entire world. And the thing that I want you to never forget is that Jesus is primarily revealed to you and I in the context of intimate relationship. It was as Jesus broke bread over a meal and these disciples had been through that experience over and over and over again in their relationship with Jesus that they realized who He was. Jesus is not a religion. Jesus is not someone who is looking for you to encounter Him in the process of a religious pursuit of performance. See, what happens in your relationship and my relationship with the Lord is that whenever we begin to step into a place of intimate relationship with Christ, we begin to know Christ. I can remember whenever I was going through the early stages of adolescence and you know, I, I grew up in a, a, a household that was a God-fearing household. I, my parents tried to impart to us the values of Christianity. And I can even remember having a relationship in some way with Jesus, but it was a religious pursuit of performance. Going to church, making sure that you read your Bible, doing a service project, bringing your offering on Sunday morning. And one of the things that I, as I look back on that season of my life that I, that I see now that's so obvious is that there is no life in a life that is surrounded in performance. You know, whenever you and I step into a place of performance, it's only going to be a dead work. But it's in the place of relationship that Jesus reveals himself to you and to me. Later on in my life, after I had rebelled against everything that my parents had tried to instill in me, I came to this place of desperation. And it was, uh, there was this cry that began to develop inside of me to know who God is. And it was a cry that I would honestly say wasn't very respectful to God. It wasn't real religious where I would come to God with holy reverence and ask God to reveal himself to me. It was this, this frustrated cry of, God, if you are real, I want to know. And it was in that prayer, in that cry, that God began to reveal himself to me as Christ. And it wasn't through religious performance. It was still while I was in the place of rebellion and lost in darkness and lost in sin that Jesus in that place revealed himself to me. Listen, here's the reason why you should throw a Jesus party today. Here's one of the reasons. is because Jesus is eager to reveal Himself to you right now, wherever you are. It doesn't matter what you're, what you're stuck in. 
It doesn't matter if you've been serving the Lord faithfully for 20 years. God wants to reveal Himself to you in this moment. It requires an authentic, intimate reach from our heart to His, but that's the place that He wants to desperately reveal Himself to you as Christ. Now here's the second reason that you should begin to throw a Jesus party today is because Jesus sees your struggle. Psalm 46.1, this is one of the, the psalms that I've been praying a lot as we've been going through this pandemic and just meditating on. And, and the Lord just keeps bringing it back to me over and over and over again. But verse 1 says this, God is our refuge and He is our strength, a very present help in trouble. And two words that I've just been underlining and meditating on over and over again is the word present, help. You know, Jesus is here. I don't know if you feel like He's present in your life right now, but He is here. His presence has invaded the earth, and He, he is in, in the process, if you think about these two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus, they didn't even know that Jesus was standing right next to them, talking with them. There was something that was kind of doling their senses to where they couldn't perceive that Jesus was in the journey with them. And one of the things that I want you to see as he is here is that Jesus doesn't, doesn't just show up to be God and kind of tap his toe on the rug and, and to show his disapproval to you and I. He shows up to bring help. He shows up to actually make a difference and to bring a breakthrough. That word help in the Hebrew means assistance and support in times of hardship and distress. Jesus isn't somebody who sees your pain and sees your struggle and turns a blind eye to it. He's somebody who shows up and he shows out his strength and his power. Look at Luke chapter 24, verse 36. This is what happens next in Luke's gospel. These two disciples, they go into the upper room and here are the, the, other, the, the 11, and they were gathered together with many others and they were afraid that the same people that killed Jesus were going to come after them next. And as they were in that moment, it says this in verse 36, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them. He said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands, see my feet, that it is I myself touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were still disbelieved, while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. Here's the thing that I want you to see about this interaction with Jesus in the upper room in that moment. Jesus saw the struggle of the disciples, and He showed up. He showed up in the midst of their struggle, and He didn't just show up to, to allow them to, to see Him for a moment, right? There's this thing that I think that sometimes we think God is playing a game with us, where He's playing this sadistic game of cosmic peek and boo, where He's in, in, in our lives for just a minute, and He gives us a flash or a glimpse of where He's at, and then He disappears. Listen, that's not what God does, and that's not what Jesus did. 
He didn't show up for just a moment on the road to Emmaus. He met them back in the upper room in the middle of their struggle, in the middle of their anxiety, in the middle of their fear, where they thought their lives were literally on the line. They were hiding in the upper room preparing for their death. And Jesus inserted himself in the middle of that struggle, in the middle of that moment. Jesus came, he ate with them, and not only did he come for that moment and render aid, he lent them his strength. He stuck around for 40 days, the Bible tells us. Many people saw the resurrected Christ in Jerusalem. He he stuck around for 40 days and he gave them instruction and he gave them tools so that they could continue the journey that was before them after his ascension. Now listen, in our struggle... One of the things that Psalm 46 says is that God is our refuge and He is our strength. And in this moment in the upper room, the thing that just kind of blows me away is how it is that Jesus strengthens His disciples' faith. He tells them to come and look at His hands. Literally to look at His feet. He was encouraging them to look at the wounds that He had endured on the cross. And the way that Jesus helps you and I in our struggle is to remind us of His wounds. The wounds that He's taken on our behalf. And listen, whenever you and I look at the cross of Christ, the cross that Christ suffered is the source of strength for our momentary struggles that we go through on a day-to-day basis. This is what the, the, the wounds of Jesus proclaim to you and I and give us strength in, is that if Jesus could endure the suffering that He endured on the cross, then you and I can endure the suffering that we go through in this momentary life. I don't know the last time that you've been caught in a really bad situation, but Jesus sees the struggles that we go through. And one of the things that He comes to in that moment is to remind us of the wounds that He's borne on our behalf. And as He has taken those wounds upon Himself... They are a proclamation to you and I of the strength that we have to overcome. Listen, Jesus took the cross, but the cross was not the end of His story. He died, He laid in a tomb, and He rose again. The overcoming power of resurrection is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as He has overcome death, and He has overcome those wounds that were inflicted on Him, you and I have the same encouragement that He living inside of us, that same resurrection power is now inside of us, and so therefore we can overcome the struggle that we go through on a day-to-day basis. Remember the wounds of Christ. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 about communion. The Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed took bread and when He had given thanks, He broke it. And this is what Jesus said, This is my body, which is for you. The wounds in His body are the things that we're supposed to remember. Do this in remembrance of me, He goes on. In the same way, He also took the cups after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of Of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, listen to this, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Listen, the the elements that we take whenever we celebrate communion are meant to remind us of the wounds that Christ endured for us. Why? 
What's the benefit in remembering the suffering that Christ went through? It's because it is a testimony over and over and over again. His death is a testimony to you and I that He is stronger than the wounds that have been inflicted upon Him. That they could not overcome Him, but He in fact overcame them. And so if that is the truth, then the struggle that you're going through today in this moment, the power of Christ within you, the resurrection power of the living, risen Lord enables you and I to overcome every single struggle that we encounter. Now here's the last reason that you should throw a Jesus party today. It's because you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You know, Jesus used that phrase a couple of different ways in John chapter 8. Jesus said that, that statement in reference to himself. John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. This is Jesus speaking to a crowd. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus claims the title as the light of the world. He is the one, the light by which we see in the darkness. But you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus also used that statement to reference His disciples, His followers. He says this in Matthew 5, 14, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Here's the thing. As you look at this this reality of us being the light of the world, it's interesting to me what Jesus challenges his disciples with in the upper room in the moment that he inserts himself into their struggle. I want you to finish reading this with me in verse 44. As Jesus is proving himself to them by having them come and witness his wounds, he says this, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Here's the thing that Jesus is trying to get across to His disciples. The proclamation of Jesus' resurrection is now their responsibility. Jesus inserts Himself into their struggle, and as He's encouraging them and strengthening them, He reminds them of their mission in life, their purpose and your purpose. My purpose in life is to proclaim the reality that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Our job as Christ followers, as witnesses of this reality and this truth, is to proclaim to the world like a light, And what Jesus said is, you are the light of the world. Nobody lights a light and puts it under a basket. You don't hide that. You put it up on a pedestal, up on a stand, so that it will light the whole room. Here is the reason 
why you should throw a Jesus party today because you have a responsibility to proclaim to the world who Jesus is in your life. You know, one of the challenges that I've been issuing to our church is that in some form that this weekend, in order to celebrate Jesus and to throw a Jesus party, that we would go on social media and share how Jesus has transformed our life. I've been watching the videos that have been uh, being posted all throughout the weekend, and I'm just telling you, I have been brought to tears. I have uh, been brought to laughter, um, and I've just been truly inspired by the people who have, in, in, in a moment that might not feel comfortable to them, proclaimed what Jesus has done in their lives. Listen, this is what it's all about. The reason that Jesus is worthy of us throwing a party today is because He has saved us, not only from sin, but also from death. Not only from death, but also from life, separated from Him in hell for all of eternity. And so as we throw a party, there's something, there's a a burden, a holy burden that is on us to allow our lights to shine. And so listen, I want to encourage you to throw a Jesus party today. And if you haven't done so already, please do everything that you can to muster up the courage to share with the world how Jesus has transformed your life. Here's the thing. Jesus' proclamation of who He is changed the life of the twelve. And it was in their response to that that they proclaimed to others. And listen, as somebody has been proclaiming and shining their light for me throughout my life, it changed my life. My light changes somebody else's life. It is the light of Christ that shines through us. And so we have a responsibility to allow the light to shine. This is what I want to do this morning. Is I want us, as a church family, to throw the biggest party for Jesus. And I don't know what that looks like, because I think it looks different in every single household. Whether, and especially this year, our typical um, Easter celebration is, has been altered. We usually go see family and, and celebrate with them and eat food and, and have a great time. There's Easter egg hunts and all of the things to make this day special in market. But I can't think of a better way to celebrate Christ than to proclaim how He's transformed our lives. And so I want to just encourage you. I'm going to pray for us. And as I pray for us, I want to ask you to go grab some communion elements. And as you grab those communion elements, I feel like that there's good reason for some of us to be intimidated about sharing our testimony. And the thing that Jesus did for His disciples on the first Easter is what I pray He does in your life today. Remind them of His wounds. Jesus endured suffering to purchase for you eternal life. Now that's not... I'm not saying that so that it puts some burden of guilt and shame in how we go perform, but it's to appreciate what it costs in order for us to enjoy a relationship with the Father. All He's asking us, the same thing He's asking of the, the, the disciples on that first Easter, was that we become witnesses of this fact. How Jesus has transformed our lives. And if you need strength today, look at the wounds of Christ. On the night that he was betrayed, it says in the scripture that he took the bread and he gave thanks for it and he broke it and he said, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body that's broken for you. He also took the cup and he said, whenever you drink this cup, 
Drink it in remembrance of me. This is my blood that's been poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Every time, church, that we do this, we proclaim His death. We proclaim the wounds that killed Him on our behalf. I want to encourage you right there where you're at in your home to just begin to take these elements. The bread and then the cup. And then I'm going to pray. Father God, we thank You so much that You didn't hold Jesus back. That You didn't keep Him to Yourself, but You freely gave Him. And Jesus, we thank You for taking our cross. The chastisement that should have been upon us was on You. The wrath of God, the fury of God, the judgment of God that should have been ours, You took willingly. We thank You for that. And as we think about the wounds that You have endured, Lord, we are reminded this morning of Your resurrection how You overcame those wounds, and that death could not hold you back from life. And so, Lord, I just pray for every single person who is listening this Easter. And I pray, Father, for those who don't have faith, God, that today would be the day that they relinquish their life to You, Jesus, that they would follow You faithfully, and that they would be transformed and even born again from death to life. But Lord, I just also pray for your followers that you would fill us with boldness and with courage to testify of who you are in our life, how you've transformed us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you guys. I hope that you guys have a fantastic Jesus party today. Happy Easter, and we'll see you next weekend.